People are the weakest link in any cybersecurity plan. We're distracted, exhausted, and often unmotivated. It's time to change the approach used to protect our businesses, technology, identity, and data. The human element has to be front and center in a war against data breaches and ransomware attacks. It's time to educate. When I was a senior in high school, yearbooks were handed out as uh, traditionally done every year, every senior year for most high schools. And actually they're done for a lot of different grades now. I think my kids have gotten it in every year they've been in school. Uh, but we only got them when we were seniors in high school. And we would get them signed by our friends. There would be messages, you know, great, great knowing you and good luck in the future and so forth. But there were a group of kids who would sneak sign yearbooks. They would take people's yearbooks unsuspectingly, and this happened to me. I had some students sign my yearbook that I n never even asked to sign my yearbook. It was pretty cool to think about it. At the time, it was like, oh, that's awesome. So-and-so signed my yearbook. I didn't expect that. Didn't know he was even, uh, even had my yearbook at any point. And I thought that was pretty cool. So this became a tradition in school where students would sign yearbooks unbeknownst to the owner of the yearbook. Sometimes it was great. Sometimes it wasn't so great because they would write something inappropriate or uh, mean because they didn't like the student. But it was um, always unknown to the student, the owner of the yearbook, that these students were signing these yearbooks. So it was sort of like they were hacking their yearbook, signing their yearbooks. I don't know if this tradition carries on today, at least not for your books. It carries on in other ways, and we're going to talk about that in today's podcast. Welcome to the Human Element Podcast. Visit our website at thehumanelement.net for more content to help you strengthen your awareness of the people problem in cybersecurity. I am Scott Gumbar, owner of Nuage Tech, a client-focused, security-minded, proactive IT service provider. Welcome to episode 22 of the Human Element Podcast this episode titled the unexpected email so this one is a recent event that occurred um, to a sort of client of mine it was a referral from a, an existing client and so I'm going to be a little vague as to some of the details are going to be vague but I'm going to explain what happened to this person and some of the mistakes that were made along the way um, and what you should know, what you should be looking out for. So I'm gonna start first with saying this is a person in the financial world, and that's as detailed as I can get with that. And they were using an email account, a free email account. So those services like Gmail, Yahoo, Outlook, Hotmail, I'm sure I'm leaving a few out. But services like that, where you don't have to pay a monthly fee to use their email services, you're going to see a bunch of ads within email and so forth. And they're in the financial world, uh, and the account was compromised. So we'll just stay like that. Now, I don't know how the account was compromised because we were not able to recover the account. And how it happened was the end user of the account suddenly received an email one day and I'll have a couple of screenshots that I have in the show notes. But they received an email 
from themselves demanding a ransom in Bitcoin. So it wasn't a lot. It was a few hundred dollars. But then the hacker wanted the a payment of a few hundred dollars in Bitcoin. And naturally, as I'm sure most of us would, he, the, the end user panicked and um, asked around for some help and eventually got to me. So they contacted me and at first I thought, because it was on a Sunday evening and typically my clients are not working and so I don't usually get texts or calls uh, about any issues. But I did and um, figured out pretty quickly that it was a legitimate person and uh, they were they were of course panicked that their email account was compromised. He received an email from him, from himself and it was demanding several hundred dollars in Bitcoin. Did the smart thing not paying the ransom because there's no guarantee that if you pay the ransom they will give the account back and even if they do likely they've already stolen whatever's in the email account including your contacts and that's where this becomes a problem for everybody else. So your email gets compromised and they now have access to all your contacts. So he didn't pay the, the ransom demand. And it's, this, this is just the beginning. So he was able to um, try to reset the password. He, try, he tried to reset the password, and then when he couldn't, that's when he reached out to me. And I went through some Microsoft channels after speaking with him, getting more details, and determining that the password had already been changed and it wasn't anything he could do from that perspective. Um, we went through Microsoft channels. And Microsoft through Microsoft channels, we were able, this was an Outlook email, we were able to get to a, a reset screen where it had his phone number. I could see the last two digits of his phone number. And so I tried to reset password and it, it wanted to send a text message you know it was it said it would send a text message to his phone number and i'm still talking with him and i'm telling him to expect a text message from microsoft he didn't get the i'm sorry the system said that he had already tried this too many times it was a uh you could only try two times within a day so we told we decided we we're going to wait till the next morning Next morning comes, I wake up um, Monday morning, so it was pretty early. I wake up and he's, I've already got a text message from him saying that he's already reset the password and canceled the account, um, but received a message that said his account would remain open until, I think for one month it was. Um, that concerned me a little bit. But he then later received a text message purportedly from Microsoft saying, did you request for your phone number to be changed on the account? And he, of course, said no, because he did not request this. So, of course, he replies no and gets an, another message saying, saying it's from Microsoft to verify your identity and cancel this phone number change attempt, please reply to this message with the six-digit verification code sent to your mobile device. And of course, he got a six-digit 
verification code to his mobile device from Microsoft. The problem is this text message didn't come from Microsoft. The problem is this text message came from from the scammers who tricked him into supplying the two-factor authentication code so that they could change the phone number. So they were trying to change the phone number. Microsoft was asking for the two-factor authentication code. They send this message to him pretending to be Microsoft to trick him into giving the, the code. So he gave up the code, and now they've changed the phone number in the account. So now he's lost all access to this account. And no way to get back in because now his phone number has been removed. So what you see here is these scammers slash fishers slash hackers, cyber criminals. They're cyber criminals. Let's call them what they are. They're criminals that work over the, the web. They found a way into his email account, and I no way for me to, to know how they did this because he doesn't know how it started, whether it was a weak password and they just were able to log in or they fished them which would be my guess is they fished them somehow or, you know, some other method, somebody that knows them. So now he's accepted that he's lost the account and he's going to have to move on from this account. And so I've given him some tips. Again, uh, and I'll scream this from till, the, till I can no longer scream it. You, If you're in business, no matter what your business is, and some more so than others, but if you're in business should not be using a free email account. You should have an email account at your domain. So whatever your website is, mywebsite.com, you should have my name at mywebsite.com. It should be that way. That's for starters. The, just, just from the professionalism perspective, just for that reason. But on top of that, you set that up and you go through, hopefully Microsoft, but there are other services, Google, and other services out there that you could also use. And they're going to give you a little bit more security because now you're paying for a subscription. And the subscription is, is minimal. It's, it's not that expensive. When you, when you compare it to the other costs in your business, an email account is not that expensive. Now, here's where the real problem comes in. So now he's been hacked breached for, uh, I'll, I'll use the word breached, compromised is another good word, twice on the same account. So they got him, they got into his email account, still no idea how, and they got him to give up multi-factor authentication. So we hear all the time that multi-factor authentication prevents 99% of email compromises and other account compromises. And that's I don't know if that's an accurate number. That's what we hear. And the reason it works is because unless you fall for something like this, the human piece of it, it they're not really going to be able to figure out or they clone your phone. They're not going to be able to figure out. Um, that's called SIM jacking, by the way, when they clone your phone. They're not going to get past your multi-factor authentication. But this is happening more and more, and they're getting more savvy every time I see these things. They're just sending text messages that are very believable. And if you're in the middle of a crisis with something that's already weighed heavy on you and you're bogged down with it and you're trying to resolve it and then you get these text messages, so you're thinking this might be the relief I need 
And of course, it's not. They've got you again. So that emotion, the emotion was there. He, he, he felt scared, embarrassed, concerned for his client's contacts that are in his email account. Um, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Um, a lot of strong emotion there. So when you're feeling this way, it's easier to make bad decisions and to make rash decisions, to decide that maybe this is the right thing to do or maybe this is some sort of relief coming from the people that I'm expecting support from or, or something along those lines. And and it hooked, it worked, hook, line, and sinker, pun intended there, fishing, get it? So now the issue is I, I told him, do you have a, a list of the contacts that you had in this email account? And he said he did. So that's a good thing. So now he can inform all of these contacts, whether they're clients or not, contacts that he, his email account was was compromised. And more than likely, the people that compromised his email account are going to try to compromise everybody in his contact list. They're going to pretend to be him and send emails. And so now, um, he's got to deal with that fallout. This is borderline data breach. I don't know the number of contacts. I don't know. Uh, and I, and I did advise him of all this, but I don't know the number of contacts. I don't know if they were clients or not. I don't know what data was in, in this email account. This is borderline a data breach. And if this is depending on what state you're in, in, in the United States, or if, uh, if you're in Europe, this could be considered a data breach. And so now it's reportable. You have to report it. If you're in certain states in the United States, you have to report it. If you're in Europe, you have to report it. It also depends on the number of contacts. So um, there's variables there, but still questionable. And, and even if you don't have to report it, the right thing to do is to let all of your contacts know that you've been compromised. Your email is compromised. They can expect to get something from your email account that is not really you. And I've seen this time and time again over the years where somebody's email account gets compromised. And it used to be that the email account would try to spend a tr try to spread a Trojan horse through the compromised email account. That's the way it used to be, Trojan horse being um, what it sounds like if you're familiar with the story about the Trojan horse. Um, basically, a, a gift was delivered, looked like a gift, and it was really filled with soldiers. They bring it inside the city walls, and the soldiers in the middle of the night, come out of this giant wooden horse and attack the city. And because of this, because they tricked them into believing it was a gift and believing that it was safe while everybody was sleeping, they ransacked the city. Well, that's what a Trojan horse virus does. It makes you think it's something else. You know, they might get a, an email saying, hey, check out this cool new application. It'll help you with streaming videos. And so they install it and... Not doesn't really do what I say it's going to do. It's a it's a Trojan horse, and now it's doing other things in the background. You may not even notice that it's doing those things. Your computer may just now be a a bot 
for a bigger, much larger attack. The human element played a big factor in this particular email compromise. Most likely, it initially started with a phishing attack that that tricked him into going to what looked like a Microsoft page and, and logging in. And then because the attackers realized he had a phone number and account that was getting two-factor authentication through text message, he then, which by the way is a good reason not to use text message for two-factor authentication if you can avoid it, um, it's better than nothing, but it's not better than an app or uh, a YubiKey or something like that. So he fell for the phishing email, most likely. He definitely fell for phishing text that tricked him into giving up his two-factor authentication for Microsoft. And all of this happened within maybe 24 to 36 hours. They move fast. They're, they're very sophisticated now. They will send very convincing text messages and emails. They will try to extort you. They will try to threaten you. They will try to do all kinds of different things. And, I, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he did receive a, a threat of, of sorts. Um, I believe something along the lines of, we're going to tell everyone that you're, oh no, we're going to post your information on the internet, I think is what they said. Um, the conversation with the, with the hacker was a little, a little vague. And I'm not a little vague. It was a little, I, I guess some parts were vague. Um, clearly was not, English was not their, their primary language. And whether they were using a translator or not, I'm not sure. But um, it was clear that English was not their primary language. And so somebody in another country compromised this account. Now, I do believe if he had reached out to Microsoft support and said, listen, my account was compromised... Uh, and then they can see where he typically logs in and hopefully help him with that. If it's, you know, suddenly they see logins and just going to throw a country out there, let's say China. They know now he's never been to China and typically he logs in, in in the United States in certain geographical areas. They should be able to help him with that. However, Microsoft is not usually very helpful with those things, unfortunately. But you can see how easy, and this is this is not this is a business owner. This is someone who has a high level of um, education, um, works a lot, and maybe that played a role in into him falling for the initial compromise. And he fell for the scam. He fell for potentially a phishing email, and he fell for the text message scam getting his two-factor authentication code. It's, it is that easy and that fast, and they move fast. Once they've got you, once they got the hooks in you, they're going to reel you in, and they're going to finish you off. They're going to take care of whatever they need to take care of, and now you can I can guarantee you that they're going to do the same to all of it, or they're going to attempt to do the same to all of his contacts. So he's, if he's warned them, great, because that gives them a heads up expect this to be coming down the pipe and now he doesn't now at least he's got that off his conscience if he did warn him but warning doesn't always suffice you know i talked to 
um, different business owners that are, you know, they have different compliance needs and so forth. So let's just use the financial advisor as the example. This was not a financial advisor. They're just in the financial world. But I'm going to use a financial advisor in this scenario. And or matter of fact, let me use a tax preparer. So you use a tax preparer and, you know, a tax preparer typically has to get documents from the person they're preparing the taxes for and will tell them, do not send this sensitive information via email. It needs to be encrypted if you're going to send it to me. And most the average consumer isn't going to encrypt an email, doesn't know how to encrypt an email, and isn't going to waste their time trying to figure it out. And then they will tell the the tax preparer will say, "Do not send social security numbers or other sends of driver's license numbers, things like that, in an email." And they will do it. Almost always, I hear it every year. Yes, I got social security numbers in my email. I got driver's license numbers in my email. I got sensitive tax information in my email, tax IDs, whatever it might be, all the time. No matter how many times they tell their clients, "Don't do it," the clients do it. So there's a reason why those messages, you know, you have those disclaimers at the bottom of the email that says, um, if this isn't intended, if you're not the intended audience, please delete. But also the people are putting in more now saying, these are, these are the ways we, we handle this, this type of transaction. So for example, I, I know of uh, real estate closing attorneys, they will now say to verify the wiring instructions for the closing fees, please call our office and then, you know, the phone number. Because it happens in the real estate world a lot where those email conversations are compromised and then wiring instructions are sent to the to the buyer or the seller and, there's, and they fake wiring instructions. So they end up sending tens of thousands of dollars to someone else. Never, never that money never gets seen again. So now, just imagine for a minute that this email came from your realtor or your real estate attorney, and they told you to change the wiring instructions and send the money to a different um, account. And but it came from their email address, so now you're thinking, oh, okay, I could trust this, and this is why now a lot of a lot of real estate attorneys and and uh, realist, realtors are now including a a default message in their email that says to verify wiring instructions, call XYZ before making the transaction. So this is the problem. Now there's a bunch of contacts within this email account that are going to get emails from someone that they believe to be their actual insurance person or a financial person, sorry, financial person, but insurance, it's all the same, financial insurance, real estate, any of these industries, healthcare, they're all the same. If they, if the account is compromised and now there's a certain level of trust because it's coming from that email account that you've contacted, you've exchanged emails with before, that level of trust is there and more than likely more people are going to get scammed. And more than more people are going to lose money and lose lose out on um, potentially sensitive data, and 
just a lot could go wrong here. Um, that's why it's important. So to recap, importance. You have to have a strong password. You should have t some, at least some form of two-factor authentication. And in this case, they did. But you also need a level of awareness to say, this isn't right. Microsoft doesn't proactively text people like this. Or, um, you know, I, again, I don't know how they felt for the phishing scam, but understand you shouldn't be clicking links in email from unsolicited emails. And you shouldn't be downloading things from, and if you did download something, you're probably in worse shape than you realize. Um, but all, all of these things need to be considered before even making the decision to review an email. And services like Microsoft and Google are great at catching a lot of this stuff, but they don't catch everything. And sometimes they're behind. So with the in the case of Google, even with Google Workspace, they sometimes will let an email through into your inbox and a few hours later you'll get an email from them saying we we've uh, detected a phishing email i just saw this today as i'm recording this um, for one of my clients so it does happen you cannot rely on these services alone you have to rely on your own intuition your own awareness that these things are happening um and it is it is a battle and it's going to get tougher with Artificial intelligence is going to get tougher with deep fakes. It's going to get a lot harder. So that's why that's why I've created this this podcast in hopes to help educate people and to prevent these these types of things from happening. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Hopefully, this helps someone stay out of trouble with email. Until next time, stay secure.